Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Who Do You Think You're Talking To? Presented by Pastor Jason Potter on August 19th, 2018. Well, good morning. Yeah, that makes me smile every time. So we're in the, uh, the middle of this sermon series called Prayer is Key. And today's topic is, who do you think you're talking to? Do you guys all like that skit? Yeah. I love that skit. Right? It's, a, it's a parody of all too often how my own prayer life actually looks like. I right, see, I have, I have several places that I can go during the day to be alone for about 30 or 45 minutes, close the door, no interruptions, and just spend time with God and just pray to God. Yet so often, what that time looks like is exactly what we just saw in that skit. Right, I, have a, um, I sit down, I get comfortable, I look at my phone, I have all these notifications, score alerts, or scores from yesterday, news alerts, right, text messages, I want to delete my spam emails. I hate spam emails, by the way. I'm totally OCD, where I can't ha stand having all these unread messages in my inbox. They have to be read, even if I don't actually read them. So, you know, I'll go through and I'll mark them all as read at the very least or delete them. Right. I have 45 minutes, so there's no rush. I'm just, um, and then, so I'm looking at this stuff, right? It'll only take a second. Well, except for, you know, this, this text needs a, uh, a quick response. So let me do that real quick. What? New sanctions on Russia. What's going on there? Right? Before I know it, 10 to 15 minutes of my prayer time is already gone. And I haven't even prayed at all. So I put the phone down. This is my phone, by the way. I know, it's super huge. They get bigger and bigger. Right? So, so I put it down. I open with the small prayer. And then it's time for my daily devotional and my prayer list. So I go right back to my phone again. And I start pulling up the stuff. And then guess what happens? Right, a new notification. Right, so that gets my attention. Oh, sorry, Lord. Let me, let me put this aside for a minute. Right, and then there's the racing mind. Right, my mind races all the time. It's so frustrating. Um, I can't even count how many times I've said, sorry, Lord, and I try to refocus my, my attention back on him and being in the moment, and then I just find my mind wondering just several moments later. Right, I hate it. I really do. On Friday, I was praying specifically for my dad because he's going to have shoulder surgery tomorrow. So I'm praying for a, a, a good surgery, successful surgery, good recovery, you know, etc. And then, before I know it, I'm wondering how old is Al Gore? Right. Now... Now, I, I seriously, I honestly feel stupid for saying that out loud, but it's true. That's exactly where my mind, mind went. Now, it, it wasn't like I just went straight from God, please help my dad, to I wonder how old Al Gore is, right? There was a whole pattern or a whole train of mind-wandering thoughts that led me from point A to point B. I'm not going to, uh, I, I won't bore you with the details. I'll spare you that, but it's, it's ridiculous. It really is, and, and it happens all the time, right? And then there's the sleeping, the dozing off. Right, here I am, and that, that frustrates me more than, than anything, and that actually happens more than I, I, I'm even willing to admit. I mean, here I am in the presence of God, our creator. 
right? The eternal one. The one who is always has been and always will be. I'm in his presence and he wants me to be in his presence. That's the thing. I'm honoring him by, or I'm bringing glory to him by taking the time to, to come to him. And I can't even stay awake for 30 minutes. I mean, seriously? I would never do that with another person. Ever. Um, I meet with, with Pastor Floyd every couple weeks. And this is early in the morning before work. When I'm tired. And guess what? I have never fallen asleep when I meet with Pastor Floyd. Never. It's never happened. Right? I never let my phone distract me. I never let my wine... My wine. I never let my... <laughs> that's... Okay, I seriously do not drink wine early in the morning when I meet with Pastor Floyd. <laughs> I never let my mind wander. Thank you. Well, he's telling me a story. Okay, well, actually, sometimes I do. But seriously, right, can you imagine if I'm sitting there with Floyd, right, and right in the middle of me sharing my heart with him, I just fall asleep right there in my chair. Right, it's, I would never do that. But I do it with God all the time. And that, that's what that skit illustrates so good. Right? We have, uh, what we see is two people on stage. One person is being rude and distracted and falls asleep. Right? And we think, how crazy would that be if somebody actually did that to another person? But it happens when we talk to God. So we must remind ourselves, who is it that we're talking to? Or who do we think that we're talking to? And now I doubt that anybody consciously tries to trivialize uh, the reality of who God is. Right? We don't want prayer to become this common routine. We don't want to minimize the reality of being in God's presence. So how do we escape that? Well, let's start by meditating on exactly who God is. Right? Who exactly are we talking to? Genesis 1.1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Revelation 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Right, so God is the eternal beginning and the creator of all things. Without God, we would have absolutely nothing. Nothing would exist without him. John 1-2 goes on to reveal that Jesus was with God in the beginning and everything was created through him. The Holy Spirit as well, which makes up God the Trinity, the beginning and the creator of all things. Now it's important because sometimes we wonder, well, who is it that I'm supposed to pray to? Right, God the Father, Jesus the Son and our Savior. The Holy Spirit who is indwelt inside of us as soon as we give our lives to Christ? And the answer is all of the above. Right? They, they are all eternal and they all have been from the very beginning. They make up Godhead three in one. It's all God. And God looks at every amazing thing that he ever created and he calls us his masterpiece. Right, watch this short video. It's really a short. It's only a few minutes. But watch this short video from the Crazy Love Bible Study that will help put this in perspective.
That's actually not the video that I had in mind. <laughs> Was there another one or no? I might have put the wrong upload in there. If so, then I, I truly apologize. But that's okay, because let me explain it to you. <laughs> right? So it's this video that, um, that shows, it starts with the planet Earth and where we live and how God created it, right? And then it uses the, uh, the Hubbard telescope to kind of zoom out a little bit and, uh, and show uh, what, what it kind of looks like with the moon in perspective. And then it says, let me f uh, uh, zoom out another you know, trillion kilometers or whatever, four trillion kilometers, something like that. And now the sun barely becomes in perspective. Maybe the sun's not even in perspective at this point, I don't know. But it zooms out more, right? And then it shows, finally shows the sun. And you kind of see how from, you know, the earth barely even exists anymore as far as the, the view of it goes, right? And then it pulls back a little bit more. And we're, t we're talking about light years. You got it? What, what, what you're yeah, yeah, seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay, just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California and we're going we're gonna to rise up a little bit here. Okay, we're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now this is at about 10 kilometers. Like if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now you're gonna, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now... We're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about a hundred thousand stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy. And, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're gonna go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're gonna zoom out to 100 million light years. 
Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. I'm actually amazed we have a telescope that even shows us that much. Right? But isn't that amazing? And our God spoke all of that into creation. Now that amazing illustration could make us feel really small. Right? We couldn't even see our galaxy, let alone this huge planet, let alone our little tiny bodies standing on this huge planet. Right? But maybe, maybe that illustration is meant to make us feel really big. Because the God that is the master behind, behind all of that, he calls us his masterpiece or his workmanship, depending on what version you read or what translation you read. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right, so all these creations that we can't even grasp our minds around. Right, planets, universes, galaxies, the depths of the ocean, all these living creatures that are still being discovered. Right? All these things that we can't even comprehend and yet he singles us out as his workmanship. And he wants to spend time alone with each one of us. That's the God that we are talking to when we pray. Last week, uh, Pastor Flo Floyd broke down the Lloyd's... The, wow, what is wrong with me tonight? The Lloyd's, the Floyd's, Lloyd's. I'm really not trying to... <laughs> I'm trying my hardest to be serious. I'm really not trying to make jokes here. Right? <laughs> Pastor Floyd broke down the Lord's Prayer for us. And I want to revisit only the very beginning verses of that because that pertains to today's topic. We know the, the Lord's Prayer starts in, uh, in Matthew. We find it in Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. Right? Our Bibles call it the Lord's Prayer. Many people these days refer to it as the Disciples' Prayer. I heard it referred to a couple of months ago as the model prayer. I think it was Dr. Bunce when he was up here giving us the sermon. And he called it the, the model prayer. And if we're trying to label it with a description, I just thought that was so perfect because it really is like a template on how we should pray and the things that we should pray for or the things we should focus on. Because it doesn't say pray these words. It says pray then like this. Now I know some of you still pray the Lord's Prayer exactly how it is in the Bible, word for word, right? And guess what? I do the same thing. I'm right there with you. I, I also pray it just like it is, and I do it on a regular basis. And that's a good thing because it's reciting Scripture, and it's always good to recite Scripture. Right? But it's just very important to be intentional on thinking about the actual words that we're praying instead of just blindly repeating them without giving it any thought. I was raised Catholic, and I think some of you guys can relate with this. Right? As a teen, I would pray the rosary every single night. I actually slept with the rosary under my pillow for several years. But the problem was, is I began spouting off the prayer so fast that I never meditated on the words that I was actually saying, the words themselves. Now, I don't remember exactly. It's been quite a few years. But I think the rosary has you saying the Lord's Prayer like eight or nine times. And it begins to sound like this. I'm going to try to give you an example. The way I'm stumbling over my words, I'm a little afraid to do this. But it kind of started sounding like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our trespasses. We free those who trespass against you. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those trespasses against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, you get the point, right? You just, I just started, uh, started just blindly saying the words. Wasn't paying attention to what I was saying. Didn't even know how I was talking to God. Well, the point is, is that if we meditate on the words and we're, our hearts within the words that we say, it can be used as a literal prayer, but it can also be used as a model prayer on how we should pray. So with that mindset, right, with the mindset of using this as a model, the only verse I really want to call out for this topic is Matthew 6, 9. Right? And it, it just simply says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right, so the first thing that Jesus is telling us to do here is to recognize who you are talking to. Right? It's our Father in heaven. It's not our buddy across the table. It's not our boss that we have a lot of respect for. Right? But it's God. It's our Father who is in heaven where we long to be someday ourselves. Hallowed be your name. Right? We are to recognize how holy his name is. How holy he is. Who do we think we're talking to? Now depending on what uh, Bible translation we favor, the Bible also calls us a friend of God. And because of Jesus, we have been reconciled to him and we are made right in his sight. Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Right? But being friends of God means that he has chosen to show us favor. Right? Undeserved favor. God's grace is upon us. I've seen many people refer to Jesus as their boy, right? My boy, Jesus. I've seen shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy. Now, I, I kind of get that, right? If from an evangelistic point of view, if you're trying to reach somebody and, and you're trying to, uh, to, to come to them on a, on a level that, that kind of makes them feel comfortable, right? I, I kind of get where they're going with, with that. But honestly, I'm not comfortable with that at all. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is not to be brought down to our level. He is to be exalted and worshipped above all else. I've seen another shirt that says, Jesus is not my homeboy. He's my Savior. Right? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. How else does God refer to that minimizes who he is? That minimizes his majesty? Right, the big guy, the man upstairs. Examples of what we see in mainstream movies is, um, God, if you're there, if you can hear me. Or, hey, God, it's me, Jason, Jason Potter from Albuquerque. Right, Matthew 10.30 says, but even the, hairs of on your, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Right, if God knows the numbers of hair that is on our head, he certainly doesn't need to be told who we are whenever we cry out to him. Now, before anybody takes offense to that, right, I understand that we're all at different places with our walk, in our walk with God. Right? Perhaps if you're a newer Christian or you're just diving into prayer for the first time, right, maybe you do approach him with, it's me, or are you really there? Something along those lines, and that's okay. Because right? be encouraged that in God's perfect time, 
he will reveal himself in a way that you will no longer be unsure. And those examples are only meant to show how seldom his holiness is portrayed. But if that's sincerely where you are, then God will honor that. And Hebrews 5 and 6 has a lot to say about spiritual growth. Our view of God will evolve as he continues to reveal himself to us and, and continue to mold us more and more Christ-like. All right, let's look how Moses met with God back in the days of the Old Testament. Exodus 33, when we read 7 through 11, it says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to make Moses used to meet Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Do you see how big of a deal it was to be in the presence of God? A special tent of meeting was set up outside of, of camp. All the people would rise to watch Moses enter the tent. A pillar of cloud would stand at the entrance. And that would lead all the people to worship. Notice it doesn't say some of the people. It says all of the people. Being in the presence of God was a big deal. And it still is a big deal to the same degree that it was back then. You know, thanks be to Jesus, we don't have to dedicate tents or we don't have to wait for another person to go meet with him on our behalf to enter his presence. We have access to him directly every moment of our lives. We see God's loving presence throughout the entire Bible. One more example I want to point out is in the book of Daniel. Right, we have the story of the fiery furnace. And Daniel himself wasn't present for this, but his three loyal friends were. You have this king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. He ordered a decree that everyone was to worship this golden image that he made. And if they didn't, he would cast them into a fiery furnace. Daniel's three friends were very loyal to God. They did not worship the image. So King Nebuchadnezzar was furious and he ordered his men to bind them and throw them into the furnace. Now obviously there's a lot more details behind that story. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. I encourage everybody to go read it if you're not familiar with it already. But look at the result of what happened when they got thrown into the furnace. We see that in Daniel 3 verses 24 and 25. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now most biblical scholars conclude that the fourth person was Jesus himself. And God didn't, didn't just rescue his loyal servants. He was there with them. His presence was there when they were going through this scary trial. Right, the point being is God's presence is a big deal. Right, because he doesn't just rescue us from certain troubles. 
he's more than just a deliverer. He is with us during those times. He carries us through those times. His presence is with us during the good and during the bad. He is with us always. Psalm 48, 14 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. I've been, I shared with you a, a little while ago what my prayer life can fall into sometimes. And I've been very concerned lately that I am not recognizing for God for who truly, he truly is. I've fallen into this pattern of minimizing his majesty. And it's not only because I've had the sermon on my mind. And we plan uh, sermon topics out quite, a, quite ahead in advance. So I've, I've had this on my heart for quite some time now, but it's not only that. Right? There's a variety of other things that have had me questioning, am I guilty about trivializing the reality of who God is? So much so, it was causing me to really struggle with even wanting to prepare for this morning. On, on a, I decided to take a vacation day on Friday. So on Thursday evening after work, I, I uh, hauled my mini camper up to the mountains and, uh, and I, want, I wanted to go to a place where I would have no cell coverage and I would have no, uh, no internet service, cell coverage, anything that could distract me, right? I wanted two whole days in God's nature to disconnect from everything. And I just wanted to be with my laptop so that I could write, not for internet, but just so I could write my Bible. And I prayed for God to really give me some clarity. On Friday afternoon, it started to rain. So I just lay down and I turned on my worship, uh, my wor- my worship music playlist. As I had been praying for God to really speak to me, a song came on that I hadn't listened to in, in many years, or in a long time. I don't know. Many years might be exaggerating. Anyway, right? It's All of Me by Matt Hammett. Now, back in 2012, the song really had an impact on my life. Right? That was the, the year that I decided to, to stop running from all the stuff that I knew God was calling me to do. And I decided just to submit to him. And I just decided to say, yes, God, I'm going to serve you to the best of my ability. Right, knowing that I was going to mess up and that he was going to show me grace. But that was my decision year. January 1st, 2012. And that song just really stood out to me. Now there's two specific lines that stood out to me. The first was, let me recklessly love you even if I bleed, you're worth all of me. Now there's a much newer song that I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with by now called Reckless Love that, uh, that shows how crazy in love Jesus is with us. And Pastor Jeff's done a great job of explaining that because God's in control, it's not really a reckless love, but because of the extremes that he's willing to go through to show us love, that reckless is, the, is a great word to describe it. Well, this song says, it flips it around. It says, let me recklessly love you. Even if I bleed, you're worth all of me. So the first question this morning is, do you recklessly love God? even when it costs you something, something big. Even if it caused you to bleed, do you see God as worth having all of you? And if the answer is no, maybe we still don't truly see exactly who it is that we're talking to. Right, the other lyric from the song is this, I'll trade all the fear of all that I could lose for every moment I share with you. So let's turn that into a question. 
Are you willing to trade the fear of all that you could lose for every moment that you get to share with God? And that's not an easy question because we all have a lot to lose. Right? Even if we don't have a lot, we have a lot to lose. And what I mean by that is that people depend on us. Right? We have our families, our friends, our coworkers, our church. And, and also, in, in some way, we have our little comforts in life. Right? We have our little routines and the way that we go about doing things. The way that we interact with certain people. Right? All of this brings us some kind of a sense of security. And it, we have a lot to lose, and we could. Right? In any given moment, all of this could come crashing down on us. And then life as we know it is drastically different. Sometimes we see, or we think that we see, signs coming our way. That, uh, that something is coming, and we think that there are reasons to believe that this reality could come sooner than later. Other times, not so much. Right? We're in our little comfort zone. But regardless, it causes, it causes fear. Right? I, I really think that everyone can relate to having some amount of fear that we could just lose it all. So the statement that says, I'll trade the fear of all that I could lose for every moment I share with you, that's a powerful statement. Are we willing to trade it all for the moments that we get to spend with God? Do we really cherish the time with God so much that we are willing to put everything else aside for those moments? If the answer is no, let's go back to the topic of this message. Who do you think you're talking to? Because if we can wrap our minds around that, right, if we can grasp onto the perfect creator and the savior that we have access to in every moment of our lives, then the answer should become yes. Right? Absolutely, positively, yes. Because the Lord God that we are talking to is the God Almighty, the God of creation, the everlasting God, the God most I, the, the I am that I am, the Lord who provides the Lord our righteousness, the Lord who sanctifies, the first and the last, the King of glory. He is our everything. Let's recognize his presence and pray out to him right now. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. When we confess to you the times that we minimize your majesty, the times that we just look to you as, as someone who is there for us to to ask of things that we might need only there to comfort us when we really need it and we never give you the credit and for the times that we don't give you the credit and the glory that you deserve just because you are who you are Father we pray that you never allow us to lose sight of that but in our times where we're exhausted and we're busy and we fall asleep in your presence Lord that you offer us the grace and forgiveness for those moments and you help us and lead us to a place Lord where we can overcome that, where we can just see your glory in our lives so much that we put that above everything else. Father, we thank you for the day that's coming where we will be physically in your presence and we'll be able to see you and touch you just as we do our family members and our friends. Lord, we know that we get to spend eternity in your glory. And until that day comes, Lord, we just help, ask that you help lead us on this journey. 
puts you above all else, that praises you above all else, Lord, and you help us to lead other people to that same place, that you use us to accomplish whatever tasks you have set before us. We thank you that we're your masterpiece, Lord. We thank you for the value that you've chosen to put on us, even though we don't deserve any of it. Lord, we lift these things up to you. And we pray in the glorious, perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.